The advice and opinions expressed by the hosts of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Welcome to Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy. I'm Nancy Allspot-Jackson. And I'm Shannon Penrod, and so thrilled to be here with you, my friend, on this lovely Thursday. I want to remind everybody that this is a pre-recorded show. We recorded it yesterday, just a few hours ago, really, um, but because uh, it's just a little bit easier for us production-wise. But I'm watching with you live right now, so you can still write in and have conversations with me when I answer as myself, that's really me. And Nancy, the invitation is always there to you. If you want to be a part of the viewing and, and talking, you're always welcome to do that on Thursday mornings. Uh, but thrilled that you guys are here. We want you to know that we still want to be interactive with you. It's just that uh, we've realized that more, more of you watch Let's Talk Autism in podcast, and it's just easier for us to do production this way. But wait, but right now it's live on Facebook and YouTube and Twitter, and you can be interacting with us. Uh, Traven's going to show you some of the different ways that you can be interacting right now. And the show is available via podcast, and you can get that wherever you get your podcast. It's a free download. We are the number one rated autism podcast, and you guys have been consuming the podcast in record numbers. We really want to thank you. We had a record month in January, uh, saying hello to viewers all over the world who've been watching us. In particular, we were off the charts in Ireland last month, Uh Nancy. So uh, I thought that was super fun saying hello to everybody across the pond um, that's watching us. We hope that you'll write in with your questions. We still want to know your questions. So uh, Traven is showing you all those different places there. Uh, but uh, right now, Nancy and I, uh, we, we like to, at the start of the show, go over some news for you. And then we've got a great guest how many years do you think it's probably been since we've had uh, Re Rebecca uh, on the show, do you think? Uh, been a number of years that I can recall. I really feel like she was one of our first guests when you and I started doing Let's Talk Autism Probably. with Shannon and Nancy. Um, she was inspirational then. She, I'm sure she'll be inspirational today, so we'll look forward to having her on. Um, but we do have some news stories for you. And uh, shall we start with uh, this inspirational dad? Yes, it's a story out of Philadelphia. Um celebrating Black History Month. So this particular dad uh, is black and um, he is the father of two autistic children and he embraced the challenge of finding their hidden gifts. Um, his name is Lonnie Smith and uh, one of his sons, uh, he discovered had a phenomenal artistic talent and that son, Kemble Smith, has gone on to be a published author and contemporary artist with pieces displayed in galleries and museums in the United States and abroad. So he's really become quite accomplished. And this was due to his father uh, discovering that he had this amazing autistic talent. I love that he calls this uh, 
Otazarians. Otazarians, isn't that a cool name? That he and has, cre- has he's really created a, a safe space for all kinds of people on the autism spectrum in Philadelphia. But but as Nancy said, it started with his two sons. And I think the thing that really struck me about this that I always want to remind us the power of one and that Mm -hmm. you can be the one. And here is this man with these two beautiful children, both on the spectrum. And he decided as a, as the mensch that he is, that he was going to meet them where they were. Um, And there's a whole piece that they did in the the local Philadelphia channel that you can see Traven's got the link up there um, about this dad. It's really kind of a lovely piece, but um, at one point, he saw that his son had crumpled up little pieces of paper and was throwing them away. And he opened up one of them and saw that there was a drawing of a building on it that was just like, you know, how can my son, who is pretty impacted on the spectrum, how how can this be coming from him? And he said, obviously, he's he's interested in this. And, and this is something that we, we need to invest in. And so like you, Nancy, he said, I'm going to go and, and find ways for my kid to be able to do this. And then his son one day built a building uh, out of cardboard. And these buildings, you guys are just like, he can create an entire city and they're, 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 it's not realism. It's hype. It's hyper realism. It's better than realism. They're fun and funky, but realistic. It's, it's art. You, uh-huh. You'll look at it and you'll go, it's absolutely art. But then in the meantime, he has another son on the spectrum. And um, he sees that that son, at a certain point, the, uh, the other son takes some of the characters that the artist's son is making, and he starts to put them into a video game uh, sequence, and he's coding. And, uh-huh. and, the, and here's what I love the most is that the dad said, well, I didn't know anything about coding, so... I did what any dad would do. I went and took a class in coding. And I thought <laughs> any dad wouldn't do that. That's extraordinary. That's going the extra mile. So uh, that just made me want to send this dad a hug. And now his son is creating virtual reality spaces for people that are on the spectrum so that they can have the sensory world that they want, that they can have the interaction and be in charge of it the way that they want. I just thought, I just think this dad deserves an award. Yeah, I just remarkable. You know, if if we could all be with people like this dad, what a wonderful world this would be. So, I super 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 love that and his kids are talented, but what a dad. Whoo! What a dad. Pretty remarkable. Um so if you're ever in Philadelphia, this space is called Audizarians. Uh, if I'm ever in Philadelphia, you know, I thought we were going to be in Philadelphia. I thought that that's where my son was going to be going to school, but he chose to go to school here. Um, but if you're in Philadelphia, I would be checking that out. Forgive my dogs. Sharon? Yeah, I'm here. My dog is barking. Perhaps we could go on to the next news story, if you guys don't mind. And I'm going to let you start, Nancy. Let me call that up. I'm having issues with my, I think this might be our guest. Let me see. We're all hell is breaking loose here. <laughs> so we're, we're having, both of us are having a Calgon moment at the same time. We're pre-recording, but Nancy's <laughs> phone is ringing. I've, I've apparently got somebody at the my, door. My dog is barking and my son is talking to me. My computer froze. Oh, all, all to the good. All to the good. 
Uh, uh, remember what it is, so it's a study about comorbidity. Yes. Um, and uh, certain ethnic groups are more likely to have comorbidities with autism, with yes. diabetes, heart disease, and yeah. a few other. I see. hate the term comorbidity, Nancy, because I think when I hear that, I think, you know, comorbidity sound morbidity to me means death. It sounds like, oh, you're going to die together. Comorbidity. That's, that's not what it translates to. Comor comorbidity means that you have more than one condition at a time. Right. And, and this it doesn't is spectrum news. Yeah. And the, 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 the headline of the article is autism comorbidities reflect racial ethnic disparities. Yeah. And uh, Black, Hispanic, Latino, and Asian Pacific Islander autistic people in the United States have higher odds of having co-occurring health conditions such as diabetes, cardiovascular disease, or hypertension compared with white autistic people. Interesting, huh? It's very interesting. And what's interesting is that the lead investigator, Whitney Schott, is a research scientist at Drexel. Drexel is a university in where? Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. It's where my son got accepted to that I thought he was going to go to. Uh, everything is Philadelphia this week. Um, and it was last week, too. So, or Pennsylvania, at the very least. Um, but I think what's interesting about this, and they say in the article that there's more than one factor here. Um, and that they're not just saying that it's genetics. In fact, they're saying it's the opposite because these uh, these disparities and comorbidities ha occur in the population that is not autistic as well. So, and they they're citing in this article that it's likely linked to multiple factors, including a lack of access to healthcare exposure to poor air quality system, systemic discrimination. And I would add on to there probably a lack of access to good water as mm -hmm. well, because we have seen, and I mean, it's unthinkable to me that here in the United States, but you know, we have seen that um, sometimes in some cities there, there is not access to the same level of water that is safe, um, as, as, as we would expect, uh, which is horrifying to me. But if you think about it, think what I went to immediately, Nancy, is think about all the things that we've had to go through once our kids were diagnosed with autism and making sure that they were healthy and had access to care and treatment, right? That's, right. that's been your mantra. You've been carrying that flag from minute one, right? right. And trying to help other families to have access to that. And think about all, you and I have said this many times before. I remember one of the first times I met you and I thought, oh my gosh, I just adore her so much. You were up on a, a, a dais talking uh, and, and you said, listen, it was hard for me. And I was uh, a white English speaking television executive who knows people and had, and I couldn't figure out how to gain access. So what is it like for everyone else? Right. And I always go back to that, Nancy. I always do because I go, wow, right. If it was hard for her, then surely it's going to be hard for the rest of us that didn't have access to the things that you had access to. And, and then stop and consider if you're having to get over some sort of prejudice that a doctor isn't willing to spend the same number of minutes in the room with you or to really hear your issues with your kiddo, it all makes me 
furious and makes me want to throw flaming darts all over the place. Um, I can't imagine what it's like for those families, but at least, um, you know, maybe now, maybe these kinds of studies will get disseminated with any kind of speed to doctors about the fact that they should be looking at these comorbidities because look at the list that they're talking about diabetes, cardiovascular disease, hypertension. Those are all things that if you are aware of them can be controlled with diet and medicine. People don't have to suffer from those. And for folks on the spectrum, listen, I have just gone through a terrible month where I've been trying to control my blood pressure, which has gone whatever regulates my blood pressure has died. And, and it's been, I, I, I don't think I ever appreciated before because I always leaned a little towards the low blood pressure, mm-hmm. but for people who have hypertension and right. I've already done the thing with the diabetes, right. And I saw how horrible that was, right. but for, for people who are battling these things, the struggle is real. Right. The struggle is real. And can you imagine a kiddo on the spectrum having to deal with even half of what I've had to feel in the last month and then add autism into it? Oh my yeah. goodness. These doctors need to get with the program. They need to get with the program. Um, and they need to make sure that the Medicaid doctors are first and foremost trained um, so that so that financial disparity where you live and which doctor you go to doesn't mitigate whether you get care. Right. Boom. Um, okay. Uh, and then the next story is a real feel-good story. Yes. We want to leave you with a good feeling. This is out of Florida, Clearwater, Florida. Yeah. A Clearwater officer who comforted a runaway child with autism is a true community champion. Yeah. Um, but he wasn't just uh, 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 a police officer. He was a recruit officer. Right. Uh, so he's somebody who was is wanting to be a police officer. And I, I say we, we need to have him in charge of the training. Yes. His, <laughs> his name is Recruit Officer Bremis. Um, he got a call from another jurisdiction that a child was running into traffic on a very busy road. And had escaped from school, in fact. Right. A girl and officer, a recruit, Remus, sat with the girl and he noticed it was easier for her to communicate by writing. So he had her write on a notepad and he sat there and very patiently communicated with her uh, in the way that was most comfortable for her and helped her that way. I love the picture of the two of them sitting there by the sidewalk. Cause how many stories, Nancy, have we heard about the school calls and says to the police, the kid is running. And right. so they send, they practically send the SWAT team and they go in with padded vests and, and visors and everything and act like it's a manhunt. And when they catch the kid, tackle the kid, put them face down. And sometimes they handcuff the kid and, and the kid fights back. And the more they fight back, the more pressure the police use. It's not, it's, it's not a good recipe. So I love that this man was listening, was responsive and took it slow and sat down and, and just said, I'm going to sit here with her. What a, what a, another mensch, um, just restores your faith that there, there's the potential for there to be good interactions 
Um, I'm going to guess that this guy, cause he's a recruit. I don't, I would be surprised if he'd already been through any kind of training for dealing with autism or any, um, you know, any related disorder and, and for him to do this, it just, I don't know, makes it's a, as you said, it's a feel good story, Nancy. Yeah. We're so glad that there are recruits out there like him, you know, it, it gives us hope. Yeah, I, I love it. The The community is uh, excited about uh, this. And uh, they in the post, they say that they, they're thanking him and saying, thank you for being a true community champion. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love that. Maybe And, and I, I wanted to make sure that we talked about it today because I think that we need to be covering these stories so that not only do we restore our faith in the fact that there are good police officers who will be patient and not just reactive, but I think it's important that we tell the story so that police officers see, oh, there is a way to do this without it ending badly. Right. So um, fantastic, fantastic. Uh, so Nancy, we, yes. we, we teased a little bit at the start of the show that many, many years ago, cause you and I have been doing this now for 10 years, the let's uh-huh. talk autism with Shannon and Nancy and many, right. many years ago, I want to say she was one of our first guests, uh, but Becky, and, and I don't remember though, do we say it S step or E step? I think S step, but we'll have her. Let's get her in here to talk about that. Becky, how do we say hi, it? Becky. <laughs> hi, hi, Shannon. Hi, Nancy. It's actually E step. Oh, it's E step. I was wrong. Yeah, okay. it's all right. It's all right. Uh, but but there we go. Nancy is much better at the bios than I am. So I'm going to let her describe you while I uh, smile foolishly because we just did, <laughs> we admire you so much. So go ahead, Nancy. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to read a bit here because you've got so many wonderful accomplishments. Um, Becky is joining us as part of our autism family portrait. She is the mother of a son on the spectrum, the oldest son, Eric. She has two sons, and she has done a lot of advocacy. She's worked for many uh, autism nonprofits, TACA, the Autism Community in Action, the Elizabeth Burt Center for Autism Law and Advocacy, Health Choice, and Trace Amounts World Mercury Project. Uh, She's worked extensively with the press on issues related to autism and vaccine safety. And she's appeared on a number of shows, Good Morning America, ABC World's News Tonight, CNN, Fox News. And she's currently writing for the Safe Mind Shares e-newsletter, focusing on autism research and policy. And Becky lives in San Diego with her husband, Jack. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's quite so- a bio there. Oh, God. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I think we all have sons about the same age, like within three or four years. And um, 22 years ago, there really wasn't much. Right. And we all, all of us moms had to band together to, to help our, our kids to get them where they are today. But there's still so much work to be done. And um, I see so much potential still, you know, and let's gotta- talk about that. Let's talk about Eric and your son on the spectrum. Tell us about Eric. So Eric just turned 24. Um, I cannot believe it. He turned 24 two weeks ago and um, he's, he's doing pretty well. I'm not 
COVID hasn't been great um, for him, as I'm sure. I don't, has, I don't think it's been great for any of our kids, Becky. Exactly. Exactly. I feel like we were on such a great trajectory. He was at the College Living Experience Program in Orange uh -huh. County. Right. He was there for four years, and it abruptly came to a halt when everything was shut down. And, um, you know, I've always in my advocacy wanted to be very real. I don't want to rose color, you know, things. It was really hard for him to lose all of his services, all of his friends, move back with mom and dad, be told, you know, you can't leave the house. And I'm sure everybody watching can understand this, but it, it was really um, difficult on him. And uh, we're, we're just trying to get it back, get him back to a more normal schedule. Um, you know, I'm hoping for the, the type of autism my son has, and they're all so different. He's extremely social. Oh, and that's he, nice. That's good. Yeah, he is. He's extremely social. And not being able to be with people, that's where he gets his energy. It's just been really tough on him. Um, but when he came back to San Diego, I was um, doing uh, some volunteering on the USS Midway, the uh -huh. aircraft carrier museum right. in San Diego. And, you know, God bless that organization. It's uh, one of the best museums I've ever been to, to begin yes, with. Yes, I've been to that museum. Wyatt loved it. Oh, let me know. I'll take you on a tour, <laughs> get you a behind the scenes. I'll, I'll totally do great. it. But they, um, they took Eric under their wings. And um, I would say most of the volunteers are grandparent age. And it's amazing how many of them have grandchildren that are affected. And they, um, they love having Eric there. And Eric um, volunteers in guest services. He hands out the... Um, the mobile uh, device where you listen for the the audio tour, and he sh he tells people where to go, what to do, and um, that's giving him more of a, a normal schedule. And mm -hmm. uh, he uh, he's funny. He loves to um, travel, and the parts that he loves traveling is what everybody hates. He loves to be on a bus. He loves to <laughs> like get to the airport gate. So anyways, I'm telling you this because we he takes the bus all the way down to downtown San Diego, which is about an hour trip, but he loves that. He loves taking public transportation, going down and then spending, you know, he probably works about four hours, but that ends up being a six hour day. And if he has that, that's great for him. And um, so, those are the happy things, you know, uh, he lost, he was working, but he lost his job because of the pandemic and, you know, hopefully we'll get him back to where he's earning money again. But in the meantime, he's having a great time at the Midway. That's, That's amazing. Uh, some, you know, we've done, we've arranged things before Becky, where, mm -hmm. um, for instance, the Skirball, the Noah's Ark exhibit oh, right. did a whole thing where we arranged to bring a group of people mm -hmm. um, with families. We'd love to do that with the Midway. If you could help us with that. Oh yeah. Really you know, um, I'm actually not right at this moment. I'm in Idaho. I'm not oh. in San Diego, 
but I've been working with guest services. I, I mean, it's good to begin with, but we're really wanting it to be a very much more autism friendly museum. So that's one of my things for 2022 is to get more of that. In fact, we were working on it in 2020 in the winter and then, you know, yeah. But so, when you're back, uh, yes. there's no hurry. You know, sure. we'd, love, we'd love to bring a whole group down and come down and do the whole tour. Because I think there would be a lot of people who would be excited to do that. And that's something I didn't know about you. But Nancy mentioned that you're currently working at Safe Minds writing science and policy summaries in their weekly newsletter. Please tell us what, oh, yeah. tell us about that. It's, um, you know, when I first got approached to, I've always written, but I was like, when I was approached to do this job, I was like, boy, I don't know. So what what I do is I read um, medical um, studies and research studies having to do with autism, and I write a one paragraph summary for parents so they don't have to go through, you know, the six pages of very technical terms. And so I write a one page, or excuse me, a one paragraph summary, and it comes out every Tuesday. So it's um, safeminds.org if you want to sign up for the newsletter. Um, it mostly has to do with research. Uh, we look a lot at um, autism etiology. We look at treatments, what's in the pipeline for new drugs, um, new therapies. Um, I think it's pretty amazing, but I also look at policy and even, you know, I was listening to your discussion right before I came on, we go over um, how, you know, doctors are sometimes treating uh, kids with autism and disabilities differently and not, you know, those things break my heart. And and also um, one article I just wrote was about the fire a fire department in uh, outside of Detroit having these autism friendly bags for when there are serious emergencies, how they can get kids to settle down. You know, they have the headphones and all those sort of things. So um, we just, we cover a lot of ground, but like concise, you know, you can get a bunch of information in probably five minutes and that that's our aim. Great. It sounds like a great resource. For can that. you tell us the website again so we can all register? Sure. It's Safe Minds. So S-A-F-E-M. Yep, there you go. Minds.org. It's right there. And yes, Ricky, tell, tell us a little bit about uh, going back to when Eric was younger. Sure. What were some of the biggest challenges you had in... Uh, dealing with his diagnosis and and when was he diagnosed first of all and what was sure. that like for you and um, about that? he was diagnosed October fifth two thousand um, and I you know it was me I I went to it was it was my younger son's six six month checkup and the pediatrician was saying well how's the baby and I'm like the baby's fine. I can't control my two-year-old. And he's, I explained what was happening, the tantrums, that sort of thing. And he's like, well, I mean, you just have to spank him. You, he, he needs to know that this is not okay, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I listened and I thought, I don't know. And then that night he 
woke up in a tantrum, but now, now I know it was reflux. He woke up screaming because of reflux. And I went in there and I thought, I'm supposed to go in there and spank him. You know, there was nothing in my motherhood, not nothing that was going to make me do that. And in the morning, I, you know, cause this is like, there was the internet, but you went on it maybe once a week. Right. Um, I picked up the what to expect the first year book. And for some reason I looked up autism. I have no idea why I looked it up. I looked up autism. There was a list, there were little boxes and I could put a check in every single box. And I looked at my husband and I said, Eric has this. I read him the list and he said, oh my gosh. And then I was so confused because not even 24 hours ago, I was at a pediatrician's office explaining this list. He had spanking. This was the only thing. So I I figured out pretty quickly that, you know, we were going to be on our own. I mean, finally, I I got the diagnosis, but I, I... my trust was not a lot in a lot of the people, but, you know, we did find things for Eric. It was, um, tantrums, you know, um, just not being able to handle transitions, um, that sort of thing. Uh, the other thing he really suffered with was gastrointestinal disorders, which, you know, I'm like, it has to be linked. I can't explain it, but you know, this, when I go back, everything started with a horrible bout of diarrhea that really hasn't resolved, you know? And so it was um, getting his diet cleaned up and all of that and getting him on a, on a path to where he started feeling better. And when he felt better, he started behaving better, which makes sense, you know? Then when he started behaving, he was able to learn. And... Um, we still have our, our challenges, but he, he does pretty well. He, he's, he's doing pretty well. He's actually out at the, um, we have a YMCA close to here. He, he's in the jacuzzi with a bunch of people that he met, you know, just hanging oh, out. Yeah. In the jacuzzi. And, um, so you, you talked about, uh, I know you did a lot of biomedical interventions. What are some of the uh, interventions and treatments that were most helpful you think in, in, uh, in thinking back, I would have to say it was definitely, um, the diet was the building block. Was the diet gluten-free and dairy-free? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Gluten-free, casein-free diet, um, from age two until he went away, um, for his college program. And then it was just going to be too hard. To, right. to manage. And the only thing that I see um, is that now he his eczema is back. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, so I, I, to me, it does seem like he would still benefit from the diet, but it's hard to tell a 24 year old or, you know, an 18 year old is like, so what? I have little patches on my skin. I don't care. You know, right. But I think at some point, maybe he will care and maybe he'll realize that's his body reacting to the gluten or the casein. It's very funny. He does eat wheat, but he rarely eats dairy. Uh, he doesn't, he kind of is like, ew, it's gross. Why, you know, he, he doesn't ever remember having dairy, so he doesn't want it. 
But um, lucky for, that's lucky for you. Wyatt craved dairy when he was little. Oh. We also did casein gluten free, and Shannon did as well. So we certainly have experience with that. What about? Um, so you did the diet. Um, anything we else? Did, Were there behavioral interventions? Oh my gosh, we did so many behavioral, you know, ABA relationship development intervention, which. Now, sometimes I think we did a little too much RDI because he's, for instance, when he was on the cross country team in high school, um, we, I'm like, run, run faster. And he, he wouldn't pass people because he said, well, it'd make people feel bad. Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. so there's some things that, you know, you have to <laughs> balance out, but RDI, we did um, all types of occupational therapy, um, speech therapy. Uh, you know, he, he got a lot. He did a hyperbaric oxygen therapy. Um, we were able, I think we were very lucky to be in San Diego when he was diagnosed. Dr. Rimland had such a legacy down there. There was so many different therapies available that we were really able to access. So um, yeah, those those are some of the things that I think really, really helped him. Um, also, going to see Dr. Arthur Kriegsman when Eric was about five to get his gut. Um, he, he had an endoscopy and he was put on um, sulfasalazine to take the inflammation out of his gut. I think that was really important too. So, well, you um, were very proactive. It sounds like you left no stone unturned in getting him yeah. the help he needed. Yeah, it was, you know, I know we all can, like, wow, those last 20 years, <laughs> there's been a lot going on in our, in our lives. So, Becky, one of the reasons why we do the, the, this segment is mm -hmm. because. You know, I think when we think back to when we were the, in the early days of intervention, I don't know about the two of you, but I really wanted to know that people survived and Absolutely. that their kids survived and that they came out and, and that everybody was okay. And that there, and I wanted to hear all different kinds of outcome because I, I knew that every story was going to be different. And, and, and so as you look back, what advice do you have for for families, whether it's that their their child was just diagnosed or whether they're going into those scary teen years or they're making the transition to adulthood? Oh, because you've done all that. Right. Shannon, what a fabulous question. I just remember sitting there. Um, you know, my, my husband was like deployed at the time. And, and, and I'm like, can you at least, you know, the doctor, please give me like one glimmer of hope. And it was almost no, you know, they would be like, well, he's a really cute kid. Like, great. You know, like, um, that's not what I'm looking for. But I, what I want to tell people is your kid, your, your child is your child. And just because you hear one outcome of one family, it doesn't mean anything. Um, I was always getting ready for when Eric entered puberty for horrible outbursts. And, you know, that's what they had. I can't tell you what an amazing developmental period. It was so important. 
he just grew by leaps and bounds at that point and matured and became so much better. I was prepared for so much worse and he became so much better. So I guess my advice is sometimes there's not, you know, there's, there's no solid, you know, this is the path and this is what's going, this is what is going to happen. But I think if I had, you know, if I had a, a child right now that was just diagnosed, I would like to tell parents, you know, by the time our son was about five or six on a Saturday night, if you saw us at, you know, Chili's, <laughs> you, we didn't look that different than most families. And, and just hearing, not so much that we didn't look that different, but just the fact that you could go have a meal and sit down and everybody can, you know, I just wanted to do some regular family things because you're, you're given this diagnosis and not a lot of hope and there is hope and, but I always want to manage that hope though, too. You know, I want the hope to be realistic and know that it comes with a lot of um, work and you got to stick to it. There's got to be discipline, you know, that, that sort of thing. Um, that's, that's my, my advice, you know. Great but, advice. I think it's really important that families know that they have to run their own race. Yes. Um, you know, yes. every, every story is individual. And that's what this segment has certainly shown us as autism family portraits, whether you have a child that's severely affected mm -hmm. or whether you have a child that recovers or whether you have a child that becomes high functioning, you know, each family has their own distinctive path and we can't compare ourselves, right? It's just, we have to appreciate the journey you're on. We can't, you know, it, it's like with Wyatt, I see his beautiful art. Oh my gosh, my heart soars when I see wow, that. Thank you. Eric can't draw anything. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's just, it's so interesting how they are their own flavor. Yes. And I can't, you know, I can spot it all over the place, but every, every individual is just unique and, yeah, they're, their and own, yeah, they're their own person they're they're their own person and yeah so yeah, you know i had i had a conversation with a mom yesterday who um talking to her about residential placements and her son had been in residential since he was eight years old he's 26 now and the most you know amazing thing she said to me that um gave me hope was that she said that her son, she always felt like he was going to be okay. He always, no matter what, he always seemed to survive and thrive. And she said she felt like he had his own higher power looking out for him. And um, even though she had had a rough road because he was severely affected mm -hmm. and she had to place him outside of the home, there was still hope in her story. Um, yeah. So, like I said, we've talked to, to moms and parents here that from all ends ends of the spectrum, and uh, we have to realize it's it's our own path. Yep, I totally agree. Becky, I just want to check with you. Like, are you available to stick around for a couple of more minutes, or do you have to go? 
I can stick around. Sure. Okay. Because uh, I just would love to know. So we want to say happy birthday to Eric because he just turned 24. <laughs> so happy birthday to Eric. But at, you mentioned that this has been hard in COVID. And I think, boy, I, I always look at the different age ranges and I go, oh, it must have been so hard for the people who were just about to get a diagnosis. And I go, oh, and for the people who just got a diagnosis and thought they were going to get help. And then I think, oh, but for the kids who finally got the IEP or they were working, the like every single step along the way, I can see where COVID would just be devastating for our kids. Right. And then to hear you talk about, you know, your adult son who was really making headway and had his place in the world and to lose all that. And, and hopefully, you know, fingers crossed, we're all going to start coming out of this. But I'm wondering, like, what, and, and if it's okay to ask, because he's not here, but if, if it's okay, um, like, what are the, some of the things that he's wanting to do with his life? What does, what does he say that he wants? And is it okay to ask? It's okay to ask. Absolutely. It's just, um, it's very funny because uh, we're spending, it's a lot of mommy and Eric time right now. And <laughs> we've been having this conversation over and over again. And, um, and I've been thinking about this a lot. So Eric is, I always hate saying like high functioning, low functioning, you know, cause like I said, they're all so unique, but Eric is functioning at a level so much that he feels like he wants to be an adult, you know, an independent adult, but yet impaired just enough to realize he doesn't quite understand his limitations. And I know, um, Shannon, you wrote a great write up on the, as we see it, Netflix series. Oh boy, that hit me hard. And honestly, I haven't watched many autism TV shows. I just, I'm like, I live it every day. But for some reason, I was home and with nothing to do. And I, I binged the entire thing. I watched the entire thing. I didn't plan on it, but I watched the entire thing. And whoever wrote that has lived it. You know, and um, Jason Kadams, uh, you know, Becky asked if it was written by Jason Kadams, created by him. He oh, right, a, right. And, he, and he has a son. Oh, he, he has, has a son. son. He has a son on the spectrum. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I, that's that's why. the part I didn't know because, yeah. oh man, I mean, it made, it took me out of myself to look at what my son is going through because they're all about the same age. And, um, Eric reminded me of, I forgot the girl's name, the, the girl character, um, not so focused on what she wanted specifically, but just wanted to be regular, you know, in her mind. I just want to be regular. I just want to. So right now he's like, I don't need any help. You just need to get me an apartment. You know, I need an apartment and, and I'll get a job and, um, you know, I'll just live my life. And it's not as easy as that. I mean, I, I wish it was that easy. I wish it was a Disney movie. You know, he's, he's great, but he's naive. He would, he would buy somebody's magic beans. You know what I mean? Kind of a thing. I've got something for you. It's yeah. a, we just uh, had an author on the show on Monday. There's a new book that just came out this week that's called Free Marcus Cat. 
and it's K-A-T-Z. It's a fiction book. Mm-hmm. It is written by a gentleman who does not have a child on the spectrum. But when I tell you, you're going to want to, both of you are going to want to read this book. Okay. Um, and it's, 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 the, you're going to read it probably all in one setting. Cause most of us who've read it have, you can get it on Amazon. It's called free Marcus cats. And it's about, okay. a, it's about a 22 year old young man on the spectrum and uh, much the way you described that he can do a whole lot of things, but he needs some help and support. And parts of it are going to be devastating to you because, ladies, um, the whole book is told in Yelp reviews. But the long and the short of it is that Marcus's mother in the beginning of the book is sick. And within the first 10 pages, she dies. Mm -hmm. And she has set up a whole bunch of things for him, for him to be okay. And they run into some problems Mm -hmm. because he's assigned a court conservator who is not a reputable person, which I'm hearing happens all the time. Anyway, we all need to read this book and get a little bit more sharp on on what what happens after our kids are here. But it is a story of triumph. And he discovers some programs that are not all black and white that allow him to be able to make decisions with other people to help him. I think I think you'll stand up in your living room and cheer when you're done reading the book. Free so market. I, say it again, Shannon. Free market. Free Marcus. His name is Marcus. Oh, three Marcus. Cats. Cats. So the boy's name Cats. is Marcus Cats, and the okay. title of the book is Free Marcus Cats. Got it. And um, a, a mutual friend of all of ours reached out to me to say, hey, this book is coming out, and a friend wrote it. He has nothing to do with autism, but will you read it and see? Because Temple Grandin read it and loved it. And I was like, sure, yeah, absolutely. It's mm-hmm. great. Uh, it's wonderful. I think you ladies will absolutely enjoy it, as do I think our viewers will. But I think that there's some good, because the, the reason why the writer started writing it was because he got very interested in abusive conservatorship mm-hmm. and how and how prevalent it was. And he was going to set it with um, elderly people, but then he met a young man on the spectrum and, who just captured in a mm-hmm. moment, you know, he, he, he just loved the essence of this boy and said, this young man who was like 16 at the time, and said, I, I need to write about this because how tragic if, if we don't make sure that these people have a way to live their lives. So I think you'll find it interesting, but you'll also just be entertained out of your shoes because it's lovely oh. writing. And it, and it's just very clever the way it's told in Yelp reviews because he really likes eating at restaurants and reviewing the food, the establishments. Yeah. Um, but I, I think I think you guys will enjoy it. And I think it will help you with where you are right now and what you're describing. Yeah. So um, yeah. it's a fiction book. That's the thing. I'm really realizing that we got to this place far faster than I would have imagined. Yeah. And what do we do next? Yeah. You know, <laughs> it, um, you know, I've. Well, Becky, been... we're counting on you. We've been following in your snowshoes all along. So please figure it out and get back to us. I know. <laughs> so that Nancy and I know what to do. I know. I'm going to work it out. I'll have a draft tomorrow. Yeah, I wish. I Yeah. I don't know. You know, because Eric got that taste of ind- independence, you know, there was support. And boy, did he love it. And of course he would love it. Well, and when is that coming back online? We just had the yeah, the CI people on the show. Like right. what was it last week or week before? Just a couple of weeks ago, right, Shannon? Yeah. We had CLU. Yeah. CLU. Oh, you had CLU? 
Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it, it was just that um, it's back. It's just that Eric had been there for four years and we were going to get it slowly work on it, you know, that he was going to exit the program, but it just like that, you know, and that part was just a little bit hard. There wasn't the transition and, and for us, there wasn't a, okay, what, how do we set him up for later? So I just feel like we're a little bit floundering and we had to rely upon our own connections, which thank goodness we had some, but you know, not, not everyone has those sorts of things and we got to do better. There's so many kids affected. We have to do better. Now, have you done the foray into the self-determination with the regional center? Have you played with that at all yet? Um, not as much because Eric was, he was on his own for so long, you know, so, um, we probably need to work with that a little bit more. Uh, but yeah, we it's have- such uncharted territory for all of us. <laughs> I sort of feel like it's this thing and that's just so brand new that even the regional center people don't know that much about it. And for those of you who don't know what we're talking about here in California, they were making a slow transition. There was a, you know, a group of people that were sort of the, the test subjects, the dry run. Mm-hmm. And now self-determination is open to everybody in California where basically you can go to the regional center and say, I need to create my own program because I don't fit in a program that you have and that they will, they will give you the funding that, that would normally have been given to you for a specific program for you to apply to a program that you like. And you have, a, you have to appoint someone who's a facilitator who helps you to give the funds out to people. Some people are doing internships with it where they get paid um, from their fund. Other people are using it to you know go to school. And I mean, there's all different kinds of things. But it re- it's so unique and new that I, 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 Nancy, help me here, because I feel like I say to somebody, well, what are you doing with it? And then I ask somebody else and they're doing something so vastly yeah. different that there's no clear path. No, there um, isn't. And I, Shannon, I have dipped my toe into the SDP waters. Uh-huh. Um, I've attended the orientation, which I have to admit was like, woo. A lot of it I couldn't grasp and comprehend. I took extensive notes and I I attended it a second time. And I attended a support group with Claudia Winger, who we've had on our show. Yes. She's a consultant and she's one of the facilitators that's available. So um, it's a lot to wrap your head around. But I know there are things that Wyatt could benefit from. For example, his art lessons, his karate, his drama Mm -hmm. with the Miracle Project. Those things to be funded. And those are all out of pocket now. Absolutely. But I can, uh, there's a person that I know, um, Becky, that is a college graduate on the Mm -hmm. spectrum, is living Mm -hmm. on his own, has a job that he, you know, works at Trader Joe's and, you know, but is, is using his self-determination fund to help him to get to the next thing because his degree was not in grocery. Uh, right. But that's like, like many people in their twenties, that's what he's doing until he gets to the place where he's doing his career, but his self-determination money, and he lives independently is helping him to be able to, to live independently and have a facilitator that helps him 
to be able to do the different things. So I don't know. So we need to have more people on talking about the regional center. I didn't mean to hijack the conversation. No, no, no. I was wondering, um, because I did a, a summary or an, a little article, I don't know, about maybe six months ago about a, um, a facility in the Hudson Valley of New York mm-hmm. that is for adults with autism. And we're talking all over the spectrum. And I mean, it sounded so ideal. I could barely, you know, I could barely stand it. You know, right. it, um, there's, there's houses all over, like, you know, it's acres and acres and there's houses all over and they, they get like roommates of like, you know, yeah. like functioning and there's all sorts of things, you know, if you can work on, it's an organic farm so that they're all eating, you know, whatever. But then for the people that can work, there's transportation like into the town to do their job. And all the parents were just talking about, cause we're all going to be having to think about someday we're not going to be here. Right. And how relieved they felt that their children, their adult children are safely cared for and not just, just safe, but thriving and having a good life, like a fulfilling life. And I'm like, oh my gosh, these need to be like every 30 miles <laughs> you know, in California. That's how many people, you know, or in your major metropolitan areas in the country, we need these all over the place, you know? Absolutely. And Amen to that. So, I mean, that would, I know that a lot of people feel very like they want their kids with them always. And, and that's good. And I don't know what's coming up in the future for our family, except that Eric keeps on saying, you know, I don't really, (laughs) you know, you guys are okay, (laughs) but I'd rather be on my own. And uh, that's what's so hard. We want to keep him safe, but then you also want to give him what he wants. I don't, you know, I wish I had, I wish I had answers, but. Well, well, I guess we'll check back with you. We were trying to figure out before when it was that we had you on the show originally, but I'm thinking it was a good solid eight, nine years ago. I think so too. Yeah. I remember I I drove up because I'm from the Valley. So I drove up and I got to see my my dad and my aunt and uncle, you know, all that. Yeah. I think it was like eight or nine years ago. So maybe we need to check back in eight or nine years and you'll tell us, oh yeah, this is how it all worked out. This is a picture of Eric's wedding and this is the job that he has. And, you know, and, and we'll hear, we'll hear all of that. Oh, 2013. So it's nine years. Nine years. We were right. Yeah. Yeah. There it is. A lot has changed. Uh, not just with our kids, but with us and the world. And I think how we view our, uh, where our kids place in the world and, and, you know, we're at the point, listen, nine years ago, could you have imagined them putting a show like, as we see it on with actually autistic actors that could not have happened nine years ago. Um, so I love what will happen in more years. That's true. That's true. We'll, we'll be working away, trying to make it better for, everyone on the spectrum, every place on the spectrum for their talents. You know, the one thing, uh, you know, 
for the, the, the advice for the new parents is I got so tired of us always focusing on Eric's deficits. Like, can we focus on what he can do and then build the world around what he can do? You know, like, I think that's good advice for, for parents, you know, cause you know what your kid is pretty good at and where they have skills and talents and then build, build a program around that. Cause Sometimes, no matter how hard you try, there's going to be some of those things that just are not going to happen. But if you can take a skill that they do have and somehow compensate for it, you know, I think that's that's why. Well, look at Nancy. I mean, Nancy, I, I, I'm sure that in the last few months you have noticed like how gazanga people are over Wyatt's art. Exactly. I mean, it's just... It's butter. It's better than butter. It's butter it's pecan. Been, it's been great. He sold five paintings and uh, we're just yeah. kind of heartbroken because his instructor moved away and she was gifted with him. Finding the right teacher for our kids and the right guide for our kids is, can be everything, right? Yeah, absolutely. But somebody else will turn up, I'm sure. I'm they, they need to, because if you think about it, there was a day when you didn't have that instructor. So Thank they you. popped up out of nowhere. So, and they were a godsend. So I'm, I'm going to send mental thoughts to the next teacher who's supposed to be with Wyatt to show okay. up because uh, I just feel like he's really coming into his own. And, and I hope he's uh, like, you know, that when, I hope that even with COVID, he's feeling some connection to, I painted that, I sold it and they gave me money. Yeah, you know what I, I mean, it's it's weird I, when you got to do it virtually. It's not quite right. the same as being in an art gallery and they you hand them the thing and they right. hand you the money. But um, does he understand? Does he get it though that people he are going under, nuts over he his understands paintings? He got paid. Um, I've told him the money's going to his art lesson. So okay, fantastic. Um, yeah. Fantastic. Well, uh, you know, ladies, I can't believe it, but we're essentially out of time here. And Becky, thank you for being willing to stay with us because I've so enjoyed this conversation. I don't know why we waited nine years to, to have the conversation again, but glad that you could do this with us. Oh my gosh, this has been um, a really nice afternoon and uh, I get to go back and write my articles and it was just a great break. And it's so fabulous seeing both of your smiling faces and catching up and I can't mm -hmm. wait to subscribe uh, and tell us again the website and Traven will put it up on the screen. But a lot of people listen to the podcast when they're walking or talking. So oh, it sure. is important for you to say it as well. So it's safeminds.org. So the word safe minds, all one word, dot org. And if right. we mm -hmm. register and sign up for it, we get it every Tuesday. Is that what you said? Yep. Every Tuesday, barring any kind of disasters. <laughs> it's almost always Tuesday. All right, Becky. Thank you so much for being a part of the show today. Oh, you're welcome. Take care, guys. You right, too. Until next Take time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So Nancy, we got a big week uh, next week. You know, Monday is Valentine's Day. And in honor yes. of Valentine's Day, we're having Thomas Island on. I don't know if you know this, but Tom is getting ready. I think in another week or two, he is going to be doing co-leading the love and autism uh, classes that are going to be happening at the Ed Asner family center. Yeah, I so saw gonna... that. I saw yeah. that on Facebook. 
so we're excited to be talking with him. And obviously on Tuesday, we'll have uh, Dr. Doreen Grampiche with us again. Uh, I would love to tell you who the guest is on Wednesday morning, but I don't remember. And I don't, I know we already have uh, an autism family portrait, but I don't remember who it is. So we'll, we'll let you know that on Monday and Tuesday, but I know it's a big week because it's Valentine's day week and, and we're super excited about that. So, and uh, when, when Wyatt has new paintings, will you make a promise that you'll share them with us here? Because we're, we're loving, 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 loving looking at his artwork, but I hope that everybody were tomorrow. We have an oldie, but a goodie. Um, that we're going to be airing and then we'll be back live on the air on Monday. I hope that everybody has a safe, I guess it's the Super Bowl on Sunday. You know, I don't yeah. participate in that tomfoolery. Uh, <laughs> just I'm, so you I'm do with, though, don't you? No. With you at, yeah. A friend of mine told me she was in town from New York on she, this was a week ago. She said, I'm in town on Saturday cause I'm coming into the Super Bowl. Can you meet me for lunch? So I went to Beverly Hills to meet her and I'm like, where is she? The Super Bowl is this weekend, not last weekend. That shows you how much I know about sports. Can I tell you, I had the same reaction last week because somebody was, uh, I was saying, well, you know, on Sunday there, there's this with the Super Bowl. And they're like, no, 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 that's not till next weekend, Shannon. And I love that my, my son, who's 18 years old, was saying to me, listen, you know, a group of uh, my friends are planning on getting together in this sports bar on Sunday because there's some, there's some event and, and what do you think about that? And I said, well, you know, first of all, pal, you're 18. So I don't know how you're getting into a bar. And then he said, no, no, no. It's an establishment where they serve food. And, and I said, and that thing that's happening on Sunday, it's, it's called the Super Bowl. We didn't participate in it when you were a kid, but he was like, oh, right, right, right. That, uh, that's how out of the loop we are. Um, so I don't, I don't really participate in that. Uh, but I hope that those of you who do, I hope it comes out however you hope that it comes out and that you enjoy it and enjoy your chicken wings and all of those things. I will be watching. Well, it is, you know, it's the LA Rams. You do know that. I think I knew that I might've known that, but I, I guess I didn't realize that it was happening here. Is that why the traffic is so bad? Yes, I think so. I mean, it was so bad today already. And I was like, what on earth Yeah, and I'm, is going I'm going on? to Beverly Hills on Saturday. That's going to be a nightmare. Yeah, give yourself lots of time because, yeah. you know, and people were driving crazy. It was nutty. Um, but we will be back on Monday so that we can celebrate Valentine's Day with Tom Island and talk about love and autism. Nancy, did you watch the series uh, Love on the Spectrum? I did not. I got to tell you, everybody talked about it the first summer that it was out. And I was like, oh, yeah, I, I like Becky. Sometimes I have a hard time watching. Yeah. Um, but I sat down and I watched for 10 minutes and that was it. And it was right as the uh, season two was coming out. Oh, I so thoroughly enjoyed it. Okay. I'm going to check it out. What network is it on? Do you remember? That's on Netflix. Okay. Love so I will check it out. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. And you just, you want to hug everybody involved and you want to hug all their family members. And I have to say, I think it's actually a good thing for our kids to watch too, because sometimes you see somebody who's a wonderful person and they meet another wonderful person, but it's not right. It doesn't jive, and they don't work out. And then they go on to a different person. And sometimes that doesn't work out. And sometimes you go on to a third person and such. I, you know, the, I think one of the big breakout stars in it has not yet, and by the second episode, has not yet found love, but we all are waiting to get a breath because he's so fabulous that 
some mama is going to say, no, my daughter gets to be next because he's so fabulous. Uh, that right. will find love. He will find right, love. I'll check that out. All right. Uh, so we'll be back then. Uh, but happy Super Bowl until then. Uh, please give your kiddos a hug from me. And yourselves a hug from me. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye for now. Bye.